Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's a-okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go. Okay, welcome to episode three. Today I have my very first guest on the show. It's my husband, Big Sexy. We're going to talk about the things that we learned during the year we went to marriage counseling. But before we get started, Tell us who you are and what you do. Well, first off, I want to say how honored I am to be your first guest. Um, (laughs) I've been following your career for many, many years now, and I really think that what you have to bring to this world is very crucial at this point in our history. So uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh my gosh, Um, I love you. (laughs) My name is Brian Moose Miller. There's a whole story behind Moose, but we'll get into that at at another time. Different episode? Uh, Different episode. I am retired Air Force, was in for 26 years. Now I work full-time in the IT industry, and I'm also working part-time as a professional network marketer. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the top things we learned while we were seeing Dr. Scott for that long, hard, very frustrating following, I don't know, decades. Several years to pay off the debt we accumulated. <laughs> yeah, that was super expensive. Uh, that yeah, was very expensive. Um, okay, so we're just going to throw out a disclaimer right now, right? That we are not coming at you from the standpoint of being experts by any stretch of the imagination. We are just coming from the standpoint of we only know how to be experts on us. Right. And we didn't even graduate from marriage counseling. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, we didn't. So, you know, you just take this, take from this what you can. Yeah, we didn't, no, we didn't graduate. Yeah, you we, can tell them. Yeah, we didn't. Um, I had, about halfway through that first year, we found out that I had an assignment going to Korea for a year by myself. So when we told this to Dr. Scott, he was like, what? You're, how much time do we have? Six yeah. months? We were going to a different state. Yeah, we, we were going back. to a whole different state when we got back. So we weren't even going to be there to follow up with him. After I got back, he said, oh, this, we don't have a whole lot of time. You, you guys got a lot of ground to cover. You're messed up. Actually, I think what he said was, we are nowhere near done. Because uh, yeah, we had like seven months or yeah. something. Okay, yeah. And then when the seven months was over, he looked at his at the date on his watch and he said kind of waved his finger in our faces. We were walking out that door the last time, and he said, now look, the two of you are not done yet. You have not graduated. So, and he pointed to you. He said, mm-hmm. when you get back, you guys get settled in your new place, you call me and I will find another counselor for you. In the local yeah. area, yeah. So, but we still learn stuff. We're not experts, but we did learn a few things. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the stuff we learned will help you. So, yeah. we've chosen what we think are the top five things we learned. Yes. So, what did you pick as number one? The You were my number one. <laughs> oh, wait, no. What a, a thing we learned was, all right, listen to understand, not to defend your point of view. 
what I mean by that is when you're having a discussion and your partner says something to you and you didn't think you totally got what they meant. Or even if you did think Or even if you it. did think that they meant it a certain way, what you're supposed to say is what I heard or understood you to say was. And then you repeat it back in, in the way it came through in, in your brain. And he says, is that what you meant? Is that the way you meant it? Mm -hmm. That was a very frustrating thing to me to do mm -hmm. because it felt forced and unnatural. It's not natural to, it wasn't at the time to say what I heard you say was, or what I understood you to say was, mm -hmm. but despite the fact that it felt unnatural and it was so awkward and I don't have any brothers and sisters, but the way he made us turn and face each other in his office and have one of us say something and the other one say, okay, what I under, understood you to say was, that felt a lot like what I've seen parents make their kids do. Like, tell your brother you're sorry. Yeah. And they don't mean it. Yeah, and the response from the other person is not really genuine, or at least the way it yeah. comes across. And, yeah. yeah. So that one felt very dumb to me at the time. It wasn't something, I didn't think that it wasn't useful, but I didn't realize just how really useful it was until years later. Yeah. What about yeah. you? At the time, it, it just felt like it was silly. This is just a stupid exercise, but, you know, because we're paying you a lot of money, I'm going to sit here and do it because, you know, I want to make Dude, this work. But... When you pay money, you've got skin in the game. And right. when you've got skin in the game, you show up and you do the thing, even if... But, you know, most of what we learned... In his office, I really didn't truly appreciate or grasp until later. Yeah, because it's not just, it can't be just applied to your your married life or your yeah. relationship with your spouse or your partner or whatever. It's any relationship you have, yeah. these tools are effective. That's actually the reason that it's my favorite thing yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Because it is so applicable to everything. Well, yeah, and, and to going through that exercise of, you know, what I understood you to say has helped me when we do have discussions, I have to be more in tune with my brain and how I want to get the words out. So that way they're more clear and the way I mean them rather than, you know, mm -hmm. just whatever comes into my head and just, you know, blurt it out. And it's just like, no, that's. It's probably not the way I mean to say that. So let me see and work through in my head. Is there another way that I can say that is more clear and not so harsh or uh, misunderstood as, as what's initially in my head? And I think for from the listener's perspective, most of the time we listen to respond. So when someone is seven words in, to what's going to be four or five sentences, you've heard the first seven words, not you, you personally, right. anyone. When a person hears the first seven words, they're automatically thinking of their response. Yeah. They stop listening. You actively. mentally shut down your yep. hearing receptors and you start with your rebuttal yeah, you just, receptor. Yeah, you totally just shift gears. And so as a listener, knowing that you're going to have to say this back to someone causes you to actively listen, which is a really excellent mm -hmm. habit. Yeah, because prior to really learning and grasping that, when we would have discussions, um, 
we would interrupt and start defending our viewpoint rather than listening to everything that was being said. We just automatically like, no, 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 no. And just, you know, launch into the other one. And then, you know. Well, and sometimes people interrupt, not because they're trying to be mean or because they're defensive, but because they're afraid they're going to forget what they want to say. Yeah. Which I can relate to that. But yeah, I'm with you. That was the, probably the most useful thing that we learned. Another thing that I think was really useful was when he, the way he taught us to check for solutions. Mm -hmm. So if we had a, something that we needed to find a solution for, whether it was something neither of us knew how to navigate or if we had different ideas about how to navigate it. Once you've come to what you think is a solution, you each have to ask yourself, is this fair to me? And if you say yes, then the other person has to answer. And if both of you say, yes, this is fair to me, because you can only answer. Yeah, for then you come up with a solid solution. <clears throat> you definite possibility for sure. Because I I couldn't sit there and say, well, this is fair to you. Right. Nope. You know. Because I that. can't judge that for you. Mm -hmm. What I like about it, and you have said this, it enables you each to walk away without feeling like you've been taken advantage of somehow. Yes, that was crucial. Mm -hmm. uh, especially in a relationship, because you don't want to feel like you're being taken advantage of and you have to cave or give in, you know, because the other person, you want to be able to say, well, this is not a fair solution to me. And here's why it's not fair. This is why I don't feel like it's fair. And then that goes back to that. Well, this is what I understood you to say. Is that what you meant comes in? So you can use these two tools within the scope of a single conversation, especially if you're trying to figure out a solution to whether it's splitting up household chores or, where do you want to take a vacation? Or, well, I want to buy this, but you want to buy that. And, you know, it's it's just gives you tools to work with to come up with something that actually benefits both of you. Well, the ironic part of this one to me is that doctor, most people, most couples fight about housework. Yes. Maybe not fight, but disagree, whatever. That's usually yeah. the thing yeah, that's, that, yeah. that's the first point of contention. And he kind of assumed that that was going to be an area for us. Yeah. But it actually wasn't. And the one area that he thought was going to be, he was ready to tackle the laundry issue. Yeah, except he was. we already had. And it could have been because, before. you know, in his experience as a counselor, that may have been one of the top things that couples fought about was who was going to do the laundry or how they were going to do the laundry or right. anything like that. So he brought that up. He says, you know, an example of this will be, you know, how do you guys do the laundry? How do you tackle that? Yeah. And we had already worked a solution that we felt was fair to both of us. And he didn't quite understand that. And I think it made him mad. He did. He, it was weird because he did seem somehow is offended the right word. So our we had already worked out. The deal was I he hates washing and drying laundry. I well, hate. In the sorting because, you know, we would wind up with pink. Whites that shouldn't have been pink. Yeah, that, yeah. Because, you know. It's not, it wasn't your best gift. Because okay. sometimes, you know, a red sock or a red t-shirt mixed in with the whites is hard to see. <laughs> you would think it wouldn't be. Maybe it was for you. And I had to pass, you know, color blindness tests to be in, you know, the career fields I was in. Did you so, cheat during those? No, I could anyway. actually pick those little numbers out of those little dots. It was incredible. <laughs> anyway, so he didn't like getting laundry ready and washing it. I don't like putting it away. 
So we had actually months before mm -hmm. come up with a solution for that particular stage. We had other solutions in different seasons of life, but during this season, when the kids were really little, the deal was on a day that you would pick, right. you would say, Hey, if you'll do all the laundry today, then I'll put it all away when I get home. And so I would wash and dry everything. I would fold the towels and you would come home and take care of the rest. Right. I would, you know, match socks and fold up t-shirts and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then I would put it where it belonged. Yeah. So it was a win for me because I didn't have to put the laundry away. And it was a win for you because white things stayed white yes. and things we didn't get pink things by mistake. And I didn't put, you know, expensive blouses in the dryer. Yep. Yep. There was that. <laughs> yes. And you didn't have to do the actual washing and the moving over and stuff. So we each got to do the part that we could tolerate. Right. And, because and, we couldn't afford a maid. That really would have been our first choice. Right. And Dr. Scott's response was, well, Brian, how is that fair to you? You work all day. <laughs> I remember that. And yeah. I'm like, you were like, she does too. She does too. She takes care of our kids. Yeah. And I remember. And she does the bulk of the cooking. So, yeah, it's, it is fair to me because I'm still contributing and I'm well, helping and I'm. I kind of remember you saying, it is fair to me because I don't have to wash it mm -hmm. and dry it or sort it. And, yeah. but he still, he definitely had an idea. That you working outside the home meant that you should not have to do any laundry. Yes. And, yeah. That's the way I took it from that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that was something that, that worked for us. And, you know, it was a... It was... But it was a solution that worked. Yeah, and, and like then... you said, it, for a season, it worked perfect. And then you have to be able to change gears and adapt as the seasons change in your relationship and where you're located and things that are going on and stuff like that. So it's a... It's an ever-changing field, and you have to be able to, to adapt. Yeah. When it comes to family life, there is no balance. That's a myth. Oh, it's a battlefield. They're an ever-changing battlefield. I just was thinking there was harmony. Because mm -hmm. we had, like, short of hiring a housekeeper to do all the laundry, which mm -hmm. would have been ideal, the compromise was the way we split it up during that time, which worked for us. Right. But it was not long. The season after that one, I don't know if you remember, the season after that one with laundry was, I did one load every single day. Do you remember that? Yes. I washed one load first thing in the morning, moved it to the dryer, and then it usually ended up on the bed, and then we put it away that night before we went to bed. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't come out of the dryer... Then the next day, we had two loads to put away. But I right. did it. I broke it up a little at a time. The advantage to doing it the way we had it where you folded it all was that the laundry day with the whole day of me looking at this pile on the couch or on the bed seemed like it was a lot all at once. But it was just the one day. And it sometimes looked and felt overwhelming. But when the season changed and I put, I, I did the laundry just one load a day, that that one almost, it was never overwhelming, but it felt like I was always washing laundry. Mm -hmm. But it worked for that season, right, too. Right, And um, I don't know if you remember, but he'd also ask us about the way we divide up who bathes the kids and who does dishes. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I don't remember if we worked that plan out in his office or while we were going to him 
or if we'd already done it. But our solution to that was... I think it was something we came back with the next week. That sounds right. You yeah. know, after... Because it was a... I think that might have been a, a homework assignment that he had us do. But, you know, of course, the first day when we had the session with him, we couldn't talk about anything for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So we had to address it the following day. And then we worked out, you know, a solution of, you know, I, at the time, I didn't really care to do dishes but I didn't mind giving the kids a bath because you only got to play in the water and splash and make a mess. I mean, you didn't mind doing dishes at that time. So. Yeah, because I wanted a break from... From the kids. From children talking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's the second one. What would you say is the third thing? Putting each other first. Yeah. I would, put yeah. put your, your partner, your spouse, before you. Yes. Not... As in a murder kind of way right. where you never say what you want or do what you want or get what you want or whatever, but in a, sometimes you give up what would be your first choice mm -hmm. so that your spouse, your partner can have that. Yeah. And yeah. if both people are doing that, then it can be profitable. Yeah. I know, and I still struggle with this a lot. Because in my mind, I think I'm, I'm putting you first, but I don't do some things that I would like to do because I feel like I'm taking time away from you. And it gets to the point where, and you've told me this before, you need to get out of the house and go play golf. You're grumpy. Yeah. Because I was, I was sacrificing in my head time playing golf so that I could have more time with you and the kids. But in reality... I was being a martyr and it was causing more tension in the house because, you know, I wasn't getting the stress relief of going out and, you know, beating the crap out of a little ball and, of course, losing it because I can't play well. But <laughs> Your bad day golfing still made you a better person at home. Right. And I'm really glad that you finally <laughs> listened to me because, it's, because the thing is, you were Brian... Before you were my husband, before you were a dad, and you need to have something to call your own, something mm -hmm. you enjoy. And the truth is, even if you came home griping about how shittily you played golf that day, it was still, it came from a whole different place. It It didn't come from a place of, I'm tired from working all week. It didn't come from a place of I'm tired from working all day. It didn't come from a place of I just need a mental break. You had already like your focus, those four hours of focusing on chasing a ball and hitting it with a stick. And that four hours was just for three holes. <laughs> brought you home in a completely different frame yes. of mind. Yes, it did. It was vital to mm -hmm. you as a person, but to our family that you do something for yourself. Right. But right. it took a really long time for you. Well, you know, sometimes I can be yeah. hard-headed. Yeah. But in the whole thing of putting the other person first is... Um, it would have been easy for me to say we yeah. can't afford it. It I would love, have been easy for you to yeah. say, no, I won't do it. I love to eat barbecue. Ugh. And, or even Burger King. God, no. <laughs> but that's not something that you like. And instead of insisting that those are the places I want to go and eat, period. That's the only thing I can do. Got to have that. It's like, 
Yeah, but I'm the only one that really enjoys it. Is that why you go to eat there for lunch a lot? Probably. Because it's when you're not with me? Well, yeah. Because you don't like it. <laughs> you like their breakfast, you don't like their lunch. But Their breakfast <laughs> is my compromise. Yeah. To go with you. Oh, he loves Burger King. Well, I'll eat the Chris Sandwich. You're but welcome. yeah, that's that's... So instead of forcing everybody else or you to do what I want now, because, you know, our kids aren't living with us anymore. Um, they got their own families. But instead of trying to say, well, I want to go and get this. I don't care what you want. I want to go and get this. It's like, well, you like, you like seafood. <laughs> loves to eat lobster and loves to eat crab legs. I can't really stand seafood all that much. If it tastes like fish, mm-mm. No shrimp, no lobster, no crab, no fish that tastes like fish. It's got to be very bland in order for me to eat it, or they got to have chicken tenders or a hamburger, and I'm good to go. You have the palate of a seven-year-old. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> but I will, you know, where do you want to go? Would you like to go to Red Lobster? Yeah. But you don't like Red Lobster. That's okay. Yeah. You do. But and once that's every, important to me. Once every three months, you're like, I don't want any seafood, but I'll watch you tear up some lobster. Well, it's like dinner and a show all at the same time, <laughs> because you really get into cracking them crab. I mean, you get this face and just real intense and snapping it and digging stuff Look, out. that's my RBF. If I have that when I'm just <laughs> sitting still, imagine how intense I must look while I'm eating. I just, yeah. It's just how but. it is. Okay. So I would say another thing that we, I'm not sure that we learned this, while we were going to Dr. Scott, per se, but I feel like maintaining integrity is something that we have picked up along the way. And what I mean yeah. by that specifically, because integrity means different things to different people, I feel like in this case for us, we learned what our boundaries are. And by boundaries, I would say that included somewhere along the way, we decided as a general policy, neither one of us was going to lunch with someone of the opposite sex alone, mm -hmm. especially without the other one's knowledge. So yeah. nobody was ever going to be able to tell me, oh, I saw your husband eating lunch with some woman sitting in a quiet corner of McAllister's deli mm -hmm. or something like that. And when I worked outside the home, we, I worked with a, a person that we had known for many years Right. And there were exceptions made where I went to lunch with him alone, but you always knew about it. Right. So right. nobody was going to be able to take you by surprise and say, oh, I saw Eva having lunch with someone. You know, right. Whatever. Um, and you came up with the whole thing as you got higher in rank and had to counsel. Yeah, I was an instructor for a while. And, you know, you have a class full of students, but if somebody were to fail a test or were struggling with something, you would have to take them, pull them aside and do counseling sessions with them. And if it was a female trainee, I would never close the door to the counseling room. It would always stay open. One, it was protecting my integrity because nobody could say, and she couldn't say that, well, Sergeant Miller acted inappropriately acted in a, mm -hmm. because the door was open. So anybody could walk by and see what was going on. And if it was a sensitive subject, I would either pull another instructor that was the same gender in the room or, you know, still leave the door open or have my instructor supervisor, my boss, in the room as well at yeah. the time. Because that covers me and it covers the other person 
because neither one of us can come back and say that, oh, well, they said this, they did this, whatever, because, you know, that protected me and my reputation and my integrity, and it protected you because nobody could ever come around and say, well, he did this. Right. The other way I think that this kind of served us and taught us or maybe led us was in the area of, um, because you're introverted. Yes. And you don't recognize when someone is flirting with you, no matter how hard they're laying it on. And I'm an extroverted person, so if I'm being friendly, anybody will think that I'm flirting. And and so there was one time when someone that I worked with heard me being friendly to someone else, and that person said, oh, you're flirting, or whatever it was that was mm-hmm. said, and... I was absolutely not, but I remember talking it over with you and you said to me, if I had been standing, because I told you about the conversation. Right. Yeah, I said, if I had been standing in the room, you would have said or done anything different. Would you have still said that? And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. And you were like, then you weren't flirting <laughs> right? because usually you'd be trying to hide something. But it was just the whole idea of when you behave when you're away from your spouse, the way you would behave if your partner was with you, Mm -hmm. if that's the same, then that's the best you can do. Yeah. I think at the time it was called putting hedges around your Mm -hmm. marriage. We did big, big hedges of protection around. Yes. Okay. And then the last thing that we, we talked about this before many, many times, Mm -hmm. not just in marriage, but also parenting as yeah, well yeah. Um, was not making threats that right. you don't intend to keep. You're right. really, you in particular, that's like a big th- thing for you. Yeah, it's huge because we'll, you know, we'll be out on a Saturday or a Sunday morning and, or even at church and people would, you know, the spouse will be sitting there talking to their friends or you hear them, you know, going through the aisles in the store and it's usually the husband that does this. And they're like, look, I got a game I want to watch, so you better tighten it up and close your yapper because I want to get home and watch this game. And if you don't hurry up, I'm going to leave you here and you're going to have to find another way home. Yeah. When they're not really going to do that. They're just trying, but it's it's you. that's a threat. That's And that's not, that's not okay. Well, you hear parents threatening their kids with yeah. that. I don't know how many times I've heard a mom say, come on, it's time to go. And the kid's looking at toys and Mm -hmm. doesn't move. And then she's like, if you don't come on, I'm going to leave you here. And I've never been one to make threats that I don't Mm -hmm. plan to carry out. But why would you tell a child you're going to leave them there? Yeah. That's no, it's just no. (laughs) Yeah. And we've heard couples talk before and it's like, you know, well, if he don't do this, I'm not going to put out. Yeah. Sex is not a reward or a punishment. Your kids are not pawns. Yeah. If she doesn't do this, I'm not going to let her go shopping. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. It's like, come on, man. Really? You you don't make threats. You have to put your weapons down. Yeah. Absolutely. And you don't even, you and I, we've met many couples through the years who make jokes. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't mow the yard by Tuesday, I'm going to divorce him because I'm sick of walking through knee high grass. And you have never found that to be even the slightest bit funny. No, not even a little bit. It's a little disrespectful. It's a I mean, lot disrespectful. You figure, okay, for the people who 
So the one woman that I'm thinking of who said that about her husband not mowing the yard, we knew that she was actually not going to leave him. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, it was manipulation. Yeah. Because instead of just saying, dude, seriously, mow the dang yard. Like if, if that's mm -hmm. how they had divided up and that wasn't something that she did, then she should just say what it is that she wants. Right. Ask for what you want and use your words. That's what we tell little kids all the time. Use right. your words. And she wouldn't use her words to say that. And then when she did use them, it was, and she would say it in front of people. So it was demeaning, you know, mm -hmm. um, when it would have been better, she would have asked for what she wanted. But when you take it from mow the yard or I'm going to kick you to the curb, hurry up or I'm going to leave you here. Right. That at the very least is manipulation. But right. if you carry that too far, it becomes bullying. Yes. And we've seen that too. Yes, we have. And um, you do want to be careful of that because chances are you're not a jerk. <laughs> and the truth is you love this person. This is your partner, right? Like you care about them. Why would you treat them in a crappy way? when yeah. you could just be upfront about what it is that you want. And so if you've worked it out where it's your partner's job to mow the dang yard and they don't do it soon enough or often enough for you, then have a conversation about that. Yeah. That's way more respectful. Even if you don't agree, even if you don't hammer out a compromise that's fair to each of you, going back to number two, you there's more respect in the way you handle that conflict. And that's way better than talking crap about your partner, either in front of him or her or not in their presence and just about him or her. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's one through five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one but through. we did, I did. Think but wait, there's more. <laughs> okay. Billy Mays. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We do have a little bonus because I don't remember when we learned this either, but it was not while we were in marriage counseling. But right. it was so eye-opening. Profound, if you will. Ooh, fancy. It's the fact that we realized you are a processor and I am a feeler. Yeah. And what that means is when something happens, I usually know how I feel about it pretty quickly. Right. And... The same situation can happen in your presence, and I might be all... Then this actually did happen once. It was something at church, and I said to you when we got in the car, Oh, man, did you hear what he said about whatever it was that had my feathers ruffled? And you were like, eh. And then you just kind of left it there. But like five days later, you came home from work. Grumpy. And I was like, what's wrong with you? You seem grumpy. You seem mad about something. What's wrong? And you were like well, I just can't believe that so-and-so said that at church. And I was like, dude, that was like five days ago. I was mad about it and over it mm -hmm. in that time. And you were just gearing up and getting your momentum going about being, yeah. being offended or whatever. And I realized, and you said, well, I've been processing it. I was thinking about it. And this was important and pivotal in our relationship because that's when I realized all the times that I would present new information to you or when we had a decision to make, if it was something that I did legwork for 
ahead of time. Yeah. I would come to you with this information and I would give it all to you and I would usually be kind of hanging out waiting for an answer. Mm -hmm. And you're taking it all in and you would always say things like, huh? Yeah, exactly. Or well, interesting. Um, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, always, huh? Huh. And then you, and then later you'd come back with something like yeah. days later. Yes. And so, and I one time I meant it respectfully, but in a joking way. I was laughing because we're so different. And so I said to you, "Hey, by the way, I want to talk to you about this. I actually want to talk to you about this um, on Friday. So I'm going to tell you about it today." And you, I'm like, what? You, what does that mean? You so got your knickers in a knot over that one. <laughs> you were like, what's that supposed to mean? You didn't even do the nice what I heard you just say was. You were like, what's I that supposed to mean? Jumped were, in with both feet. Yeah, you were. Um, Process that one quickly. Yes, you did. So you're not always a processor. But it's been helpful because when I come to you, I understand this is how you are. This is right. how you're, you're wired like this. And it's not a bad thing just because it's different than me. It's not bad. I just need to be aware. So yeah. I know that when I come to you with something, you're going to want some time to think about it. You're probably going to have some questions I haven't thought of. Yeah, or, or if I come up with something, I'll process it for a few days and then come up with how I feel about it and then present it to you because mm -hmm. I know you're going to, you know, see, and it's because I work off of a DOS 86 programming <laughs> You know, old Fortran and Cobalt, and you're like a supercomputer. So <laughs> not hardly, yeah. not hardly. But you also know, though, that when you come to me with something, chances are I'm gonna get through how I feel about it mm -hmm. fairly quickly, and then also if I've ever it doesn't happen often, but sometimes like mm, I need to think about that. Yeah. Then. That's never bothered you. Right. You don't mind waiting because you're okay with that. So it, it helps. And then, of course, if I pop up and go, I love this or I don't like this at all, you're usually just like, well, that happened very quickly. <laughs> you sure you don't want to think about that? Nope, I'm no, good. No, I'm done. I'm done. I got it. I know exactly how I feel. Yeah. So that's been helpful. There, there might be another category of people who's not a processor and who's not a quick feeler like I am, but we don't know them yet. Yeah. And because most people generally fall into one of our two camps. Yeah. Because we've already established that you and I are opposites. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, okay, that's it. All five plus a bonus. Yeah. And the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I would give on this is, like we mentioned earlier, we are not experts by any stretch of the imagination no. we just know what we've been able to figure out that works for us that works for moose and eva and that's what you have to do you have to take things throughout your life and throughout your life experiences and the way you grew up and pick through it especially when you get into a relationship of any kind and pick through all of those things the baggage that you've got in your head and figure out okay what's going to work for us and try it it's a trial and error. Um, relationships are work. They're not just easy. You well, can't, yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking that when we met, we had such wildly different backgrounds. Oh, yeah. That there were, there were things you did and said 
that I could not wrap my mind around. And you probably had a few things that I did that you couldn't wrap your mind around. But I remember one of our early visits to Dr. Scott, something was said about um, finding your uh, place, your, yeah. you know, who you are as a couple. I don't think he used the word secret sauce, but that's kind of kind of what it is. Well, he said, it was like, as we were walking out the door, it was almost an afterthought, but he said, most couples try to pattern themselves after one of the sets of parents. Mm-hmm. And when they realize that's not working, they usually try to pattern themselves after the other set. And we stood there for and a split second. And they'll sit there and second. bounce back and forth between yes. working like her parents, and that's not going to work. His parents, that doesn't work. Back to her parents, back to his parents. And they continue to do that, and it doesn't, it doesn't ever work. Well, and when he said it, I immediately realized we had bounced into each of those camps yeah. briefly. I realized and, it a couple of days later after I processed. Sure, yeah, you had to think about it. Yeah. I understand. And, but before I could say anything, he said healthy couples go on to create their own style. Yes. And figure out who they are. And I was like, well, crap, we better get on board and figure out who we are. Yeah, it's not an either or, it's an and. It's an and, mm-hmm. but it's also and both sets of parents possibly yes. take the good from each. But it's also and we're going to do this over here because it's ours. Yeah. Figure yeah. out what works for you. And and it's an ever-changing landscape. And it's like I mentioned earlier, it's relationships are hard. They have to be worked at. You mm-hmm. have to be able to compromise. You have to be able to, big word, communicate. you got to <laughs> learn how to communicate. And that's really... The underlying thing of our year in marriage counseling was we learned how to effectively communicate. But during that year, I don't know that we did that so well. Oh, no. It took a while. But mm-hmm. but it's funny. You know, you talked about Dr. Scott said for the first 24 hours, we couldn't talk about our session to each other. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to go against that, but I didn't understand it until years after we were finished going to him. But that is actually something I brought into my coaching practice because one of the things my clients agreed to is you are not going to speak about our, I'm not ashamed of anything that we talked about, but if you want to tell someone anything we discussed in our session, you have to wait 24 hours. And I get it now. It's a whole thing of processing. Right. There is something to be said for simmering on something because When you, if you are a feeler, even if you're a processor like you, there were times you walked out of Dr. Scott's office just as mad as I was, Mm -hmm. maybe about something different, but you had, you felt a certain kind of way. And because we were dealing with a lot of emotions, a lot of baggage, you had your matching set of 15. I had my matching set of 15. I don't even think mine matched. Mine didn't look like yours. And we were a pretty ragtag pair. Yeah, and my so, family life put the funk in dysfunctional. <laughs> and so you had things that you needed to work through and process on your own. And that 24 hours helped. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Usually for me, it was just simmer down. But for you, it was, it was sometimes simmer down. But it mm-hmm. was also just, you know, and for me as well, why do I feel this way? What about this bothers me? Where's my responsibility in this? Is this ego? 
or is it, you know, something else mm-hmm. that's actually valid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a, that was a good practice for us. Yes. Um, that I was one of the first things when I decided to become a coach and I was laying out my things about your tenants. Yeah. Ooh, no, you're good at the big oh, words today. Big words. Wow. Wow. Anyway, that was one of the things that I knew I was going to do was 24 hours to let you put something on the back burner, mm-hmm. let it, let all the things meld and mm-hmm. see what you get. So yeah, there you go. Thanks for being my first guest. Thanks for having me. It was be- a great time. Before we go, though, I'm sure people want to know more about you. So tell them where they can find you on social media. Can you be found on social media? I can be found on social media, believe it or not. You know, I do tech stuff, but social media and phones and iPads, that's not my forte. Give me a computer and a server. Good to go. But yeah, I can be found on social. You can find me at um, Brian Moose Miller on Instagram. Brian Moose Miller. Mm-hmm. Brian with an I. Brian with an I. I don't spell it with a Y because Y is just wrong. Also, it's not it's brain. Not, it, when it's not Mickey Mouse. Why? Because we... No, we don't. No, we don't do that. And it's not brain. And it's not brain. No. Right. Unlike... Eyes first. Unlike my first payment book for my car that I bought, it was Brain Miller. And I'm thinking, do I have to pay this? Because it's not my name. How but, many wedding invitations... Or graduation invitations have we gotten through the years addressed to Brain and Eva Miller? Quite a few. I'd say like a handful for Mm -hmm. sure, which is way too many. Yeah. But All right. That's all we've got for you. We'll talk soon. Well, it's time for me to fly. But if you like what you heard, I would love it if you left a five-star review. It helps grow the podcast, and I'll be forever grateful. Thanks for being here. Talk soon.